jungle sometimes, it makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes, it makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes, it makes me wonder how I keep from going under. <laughs> Good morning, it is Thursday. Uh, in the Elm, it's hot as fish grease out here. People mad about it. Not me. I like it. Don't bother me not one bit. I hope everybody is well. Uh, welcome to Love Baths, Love Talk on Baths Rose Ivy. And uh, it's Thursday. Tomorrow I sit for the LSAT, so I won't be here. Because tomorrow this time I will be in it. Sorry, I'm shining up my face like a penny. I will be in it tomorrow. I start at 8.30, so I should be done by like noon or so. Oh, well, I'm into it. So uh, I will be uh, LSAT into it. There won't be a damn thing I could do. So anyway, hope everybody is good. I'm good. Uh, the Arts and Ideas Gala is Friday night. I hope to see y'all at uh at the new museum that's opening. Uh, well, it's not open yet, but it will be open, and it has all the has all the things. Uh, New Haven, <laughs> all all the things New Haven. Uh, so all the all the stuff that you miss seeing. So uh. It's uh, the Rise Gala, Treasuring Great Art and Big Ideas. So uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, and uh, I am their, uh, I'm their host, MC. I'm very excited to step into that role tomorrow. Uh, it'll be fun because I like a party. So we're going to be uh, lost in New Haven. Uh, so it's not open to the public yet. So uh so this is if you've not if you wanted to see it, wanted to get a, a early look see, then this would be your opportunity to take a look see. Um, so take a look see, come see it. Uh, next next Tuesday is a uh, primary election, so Marquisha, myself, and Michelle Turner will be back in the big seats, chopping it up about local politics and the shenanigans. Ooh. Oh, I don't, you might you might want three bottles of wine. <laughs> I I have no idea. I don't even know what to say about this election. I I just I don't even know what to say about this cast of candidates. I hope it's good. I hope it's a good election. I'm gonna say this again: eight thousand people in this city decide. Eight thousand. So if you feel like 8,000 is not enough, not enough people making a decision about something as important as who the next mayor is, then I would suggest you get your asses out there to vote. You, it's not enough to have 150,000 people registered and only 8,000 vote. You want to make a difference in your community? Get your asses out there to vote. You want resources allocated to the things that you find are important? 
then you must vote. I don't understand why people don't understand this. Voting is not hard. You stand in line, and I'm making a huge judgment here. You stand in line for NBA tickets, Beyonce tickets, all kinds of tickets to ish, but you won't go to the polls. And there's hardly ever any lines at polls. They open at six o'clock in the morning, for God's sake. And they close at eight o'clock at night. So you could actually go on your lunch break. It takes five seconds to vote. Gotta show your ID, get your little ballot, mark off who the hell it is you wanna vote for, put it in the slot, keep it moving, and get a sticker. What the hell is wrong with people? 8,000 people decide. Is that how you really want? You think that's democracy? You think that's democracy? It's not. I mean, high five to the 8,000 people that actually vote because I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I've been voting since I was 18 years old. I've never in my life missed an election. Now, let me tell you something. There was moments when I was like, I don't like none of these candidates. And I and I and I I felt the overarching desire to like not vote. Like, well, I'm just gonna sit on my vote because I don't like none of these people. And then I realized so many people went to their graves just for the right. They, they didn't go for a like. They went for the right. Do you understand what that means? The right to vote supersedes your damn feelings about a candidate. Exercise the right to vote. I don't care if you have to choose between Satan and Satan's twin brother, Lucifer. Make a damn choice. Exercise the right to vote. Because let me tell you something. There are forces out here that are working very, very, very hard. They get up early, early in the morning and stay up late, late at night to find ways to keep you from exercising your right to vote. And it looks like on occasion they are winning. So get your asses out there to vote. It's fat-free and it burns calories. <laughs> Seriously, exercise your right to vote. Because I'm telling you, there are forces among us who are fighting tooth and nail to take that right to vote. And I'm going to tell you something. Once they take that right, baby... It's going to be hell to try to fight to get it back. They've already gutted so much of the voting, voting rights act, you know, and they're going to come with everything they have from now until they get it done. Because if you know nothing about the Republican Party, they are diligent. They're not the brightest, but they are diligent. They are diligent. They will work that playbook for centuries to come. And if we rest on our laurels, uh, if we rest on our laurels, then shame on us. So 8,000 people in this city to decide the mayor. And uh, that's a shame. So get out there and vote and drag your neighbors to vote too. You know, it is the right to vote. Exercise it. Exercise the right to vote. So anyway, 
We'll be talking more about this on the 12th, which is the Democratic primary. See what happens. I don't care if you I don't care if you don't like the candidates. Like. Like. Oh, it is like you like. Are you kidding me? That's you're gonna just base your whole existence on a like. Exercise your right to vote. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't care. I don't care if you don't like none of these people. I don't like none of these damn people. You know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna vote. I'm gonna walk into my voting place and make the best possible decision in the interest of my community and myself. Did you hear me? I'm gonna walk into my polling place and cast my vote in the best interest of my community and myself. That's it. That's it. That's where I'm at. And I need people to get on board with this. I, I need people to get on board. I need people to get on board. And, you know, these insepid debates that are really not debates because ain't nobody putting real issues in front of nobody and tackling them in front of a body of a, a, a body of audience. Ain't nobody doing that, you know. Right. What we have is, you know, a uh, uh, a pageant. You know, you you might get one or two things that might have some weight or some merit to them, but it's really a pageant because nobody wants to get into the weeds of because people, first of all, people have short attention spans and they want to be entertained. So debates look like just opportunities for entertainment. I don't care what debate it is, whether it's at the presidential level or the aldermanic level, it is all designed for entertainment. And I, I get, I get there's some long sentiment about we should have debates and we absolutely should have debates, but we're not having debates. <laughs> we're having beauty pageants. That's what we're having. We're having beauty pageants, not debates. We're not, we're not, we're asking, you know, we might believe that we're asking them some, what, some hard hitting questions, but they're going to spend their time deflecting and talking about stuff that don't got no, nothing to do with nothing. Nobody's everyday practical lives. It's, you know, it's all, you know, grand and, and, you know, nothing concrete and because nobody wants to say anything that will compromise them or make them explain further what they meant. So we get these, I, you know what, for me, if the debate just handed them a mic and said, you know, sing, sing something from the American songbook, you know, like three songs, you, you got to sing something from the American songbook, a, a rap song that you like, and, and maybe a country Western tune. And then, and do it in a nice outfit. Like, I want to see what you wear for evening wear. I want to see what you wear you know, to go kick it with your friends. And, and I, I mean, just make it that. I, I would have more respect for that because everything else is just, you know, re it's just ridiculous. It's not a debate. It's just not a debate. I don't know. Why are we calling it? Call it what it is. It's a pageant. Come on stage, sit there, be polite, 
don't really say too much because you don't want to be challenged. You don't want to upset people. You don't want you don't want to say you know hide whatever white supremacy ideology you ascribe to. Hide that. You don't know enough about stuff. Hide that. And convince people that you are the best for this job, in in ways that don't reveal a damn thing. I know, harsh, right? Harsh. I know, harsh. But it is. It's true. That's how I feel. We're not the. It's not debates. When I was in college, you know what a debate was? Got with your team. You had your notes. You go with facts. Facts. F a c t s. Facts. You know. And 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 it wasn't about being pretty. Of course. You had to have a little bit of showmanship, right? A good command of language and information, facts, all of that. But we we moved away from that, you know. I mean, the presidential debate wasn't a debate. It's just an opportunity for them to stand there and just say foolishness. Well, I, I'm this and I'm that. I mean, just sing a song and be done with it. <laughs> Tap dance. Do a little soft shoe. That's what I want to see. You know, I mean, American Idol, people vote. They vote for talent. When these political de debates happen, de talent is not displayed. Rhetoric is displayed and not even good rhetoric at that. It's just, you know, let me not let me not upset my base and let me talk down to people because my base isn't bright. So let me let me talk in terms. Let me sell them something that they could get behind. I know, harsh, right? And 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 you would think that uh I'm pessimistic. I'm not. I I believe in democracy. I believe one man one vote. I believe in that stuff. I believe that people ought the right to choose a government of their making. But I also know <laughs> Americans are stupid. We've been stupid since the beginning of time, since we've been in, since we took over this, this land. And I, and I say we, because when I'm in the world, I'm identified as an American. So I, I'll use the collective we, you know, collective, collective we. I'm just saying, anyway, <laughs> that's, that's my, that's my political rant <laughs> for the morning. I'll be back. <laughs> I got all the way up until November to talk the ish I want to talk. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Uh, and thanks to all the people who listen in, in the morning because y'all let me know the parts that you listen to, the parts that you know you hear, the parts that you like high five. You know, I, pre I appreciate you. I appreciate you greatly. Um, and to all the WNHH hosts who uh, who uh, hold me in high regard and esteem, thank you, Fly Ty and Marcy Lynn, once again, and um, uh, uh, all the cats, uh, the, the CCM people, uh, um, um, Preston and uh, and his partner uh, for their their show um, behind the brand. Uh, so there's a bunch of folks that I dig. Uh, I listen to the jazz cat all the time because I like jazz. I wish he was on more, to tell you the truth. Like I wish, I wish, I wish he could be on at like six in the morning. Like that would be such a 
a cool thing to get up in the morning. And I mean, I could listen to jazz anywhere. Like I got a whole, whole, I mean, I Spotify, for God's sake, I can listen to jazz at any time. But I just like the way uh, Stan the Man curates his music. I just like it. He thinks he 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 thinks deeply about you know the stuff that he wants to play, and uh, and it's always so good. So so I could listen to Stan the Man more than once a week. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm I'm just saying. So at some point, um, you know, Love Babs Love Talk is gonna get a little makeover. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get a whole new look, uh, and a little bit of a different feel feel um i don't actually i think i don't think this is my anniversary this month i don't think so i think my anniversary is like black history month because i think paul was like let's put the black people on a black history month <laughs> i know if he's listening he's probably cringing <laughs> I, I don't i don't think that <laughs> I th I do think it's February though. I do think me going on every single day uh, started in February because I, I think when I started and it's been a minute now since the beginning of the station. I think we're five years in, five six years. I don't know, Harry. Correct me. Because I started was just like an hour once a week, and then uh, a couple of days, and then it became an everyday kind of thing. And then it became a two hour thing, which is nice because I get to have an hour of like this and then I get to have an hour of a guest. And today my guest is, um, I'm delighted um, to have, uh, uh, who am I having on? Oh, um, the New Haven president, Adrian Parkman Esquire from the Theta Epsilon Omega chapter of uh, the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated because they have their fete on Noah coming up Uh September 16th. So they're going to come on and talk about that. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful flyer. So, um, uh, and it's floating around Facebook and, uh, and you know, it's a take on, uh, Blanc on Blanc, um, Blanc on Den. It's a take on that, which is a worldwide phenomenon where, you know, you gather some people, um, um, they buy a ticket, they got it set up to some specifications, white, 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 uh, tablecloth, table chairs, and and then they and then they are text some unspecified, unknown location where they have to meet, set up their table, and then the party commences. So a few years ago, Michelle Turner and and uh, Jackie Buster and I we reached out to the Denon Blanc people um, and was thinking about trying to do it here in New Haven. But you know, the three of us are ridiculously busy with way too many projects to 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 try to balance something that big. So anyway, I believe Jazzy's um contacted them got the rights to do it here in new haven and is doing it now i have no longer have the interest in going to a dinner on block <laughs> i know i i don't mean that nobody should go to that i think people should go for the experience but you know i this was a few years ago and i wanted to do it now i'm squarely 60 i don't want to take a damn thing nowhere to set up nothing that's all that that that's just my that's just my 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 own weirdness before I was all hyped to do it, trick out my table, be ready, be fabulous, put on my stuff. But now I'm like, not so much, but, but the, uh, Nora Blanc by the AKA might, might get me out. Cause you know, black is luxury. 
And I'm all about that luxurious life because, you know, I'm black. <laughs> black is luxury. So I'm just saying, that's all I'm saying. So take what you will. Uh, I think it'll be a good time. I'm just trying to figure out if I could go because there's so many, so many things on the plate. Like my plate is big. I'm this not a this listen, this is not a brag. <laughs> this is this is more of a confession. <laughs> it's not a it's not a brag by any stretch of any imagination. It is not. Uh so I'm just telling you. Whew. So that's where we are. That's where we are. Um, so yeah, so they're gonna be on the next hour. And I'm looking forward to talking to them. You know, I love talking to other black women. I mean, you know, particularly women who, uh, who, uh, you know, run stuff. Because, <laughs> you know, you know what I always say? Black women should just run everything. We should just run everything. We should just run everything. I see uh, Governor Kemp is like, I'm not putting together no committee to take uh, that sister Fanny down. <laughs> I know them folks is fit to be tied. They just thought, oh, he gonna be on our side because he one of us. He was like, ah, I'm for the I'm for the laws and the constitution today. <laughs> but not not when I was running, not when I was overseeing elections. That was a different time. <laughs> a few just a few years ago. Now that I'm squarely in the governor's seat, I have to stand by the constitution. I have to stand on the constitution. I, you know what? I'm glad he was standing at the podium by himself because I think if lightning would have came, somebody else would have got hit too. I don't even know what to... These people are all out crazy. And you know, this is what I've been doing, Harry. This is why I have to... I never thought I'd be one of these people. But I think now I need to uh, get off social media because I am paying attention to too many opinions. Not pay, I'm listening to too many opinions. And I'm... I'm and I... I feel like Zorro. Like, I feel like I should pull out my sword and walk into battle with these crazy people with their, with, I, I, I don't understand how people get to where they get. I don't, I don't get it. People say the most ridiculous things and will believe the most ridiculous of things. And I'm sitting here and I'm reading this and I'm thinking, do they really think this? <laughs> Oh my God. I, you know, I was, I was, I was engaged in a friendly conversation with somebody who I don't even know. This brother went up there who I can't think of his name, but he, he was one of the ones that Diddy gave the publishing, their publishing, right. Gave them back their published stuff. And so he's up there going on about how, um, I don't want the publishing. Why are you giving it to me now? Uh, I, I, I want the money. And, and, and then he's going on to say, this is why he didn't give it back to us. Cause he was being, you know, a hum humanitarian, you know, giving money to Jackson state. And, I mean, he was just going on to this whole rant and it just was very personal. And so I go on and I was like, I, I don't understand this rant. What, you know, okay. So you can not accept this. You could sue him and whatever and get whatever you think. And then somebody comes at me with, oh, well, how do you know he's not suing? And oh, and Diddy, that's why people leave Diddy. 
People are so wholly invested in celebrity life that it just blows my mind. Like, like, like Diddy cares about anything people are saying on these social media streets that are not intimately involved in these things, in these matters. So the guy was like, blah, blah. So then I was like, okay. Uh, okay, so now we know. What, what, do you, what do you want the people to know? What do you want people to do about this? Like, you put this out. He's putting this out here, and he wants to talk about it. But for how long and why? And and what will this do talking about it? Like, this is not like talking about, I mean, I, I'm one of these people that believe you tell a story, you take the, you take the sting out of what has happened to you. Um, and I guess maybe this is the same sort of vibe for this guy, you know, like, I just want to tell you what's happening. Also, okay, but how, how long can this go on in, until you put some action to it? Like, what do you, what do you want us to do as a public about this information? I mean, there's nothing that Didi has that we ought to be boycotting. What should we boycott him? What should we be doing? Should we be sending him mean messages? Like <laughs> we don't don't stop listening to anything from bad boy music. I help me understand. What do you, what would you like us to do? That's my that was my point. I didn't hear back though. <laughs> so I'm sure I'm sure he'll. I mean, it's all been friendly conversation. Like it hasn't been mean spirited. Like he didn't call me a bitch or anything. Like he hasn't done that. <laughs> it's just just been like blah, 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 blah. I'm like okay all right whatever I'm gonna go with that I'm gonna go with it so anyway that's just where I'm at so so I say that to say I've been paying attention more so than I've ever paid attention to all the comments of things uh, and I'm just, I think I'm starting to feel a little disheartened and I'm, you know, an optimist to my core, but I, I, I'm, I'm daunted by just the level of ignorance that is so prevailing that it makes me very, very nervous. It just makes me nervous. And it's not because I, I think that I'm so smart. It's not that because I I don't I don't think I'm the the brightest bulb in the bunch, you know. But I, but I do I will say I possess uh, a, a a great deal of curiosity about the world and the people in it. I I, I have a healthy a healthy imagination and I I am curious, you know about people in their stories. Uh, but I, I've been, and then so there's two tracks to this. I've been paying attention to little known black history facts. The people are really out here putting out black history, which it's amazing to me, but it's, it's stunning too, because, you know, they're not, they're not just coming with, you know, this is what I believe. They're coming with facts to back up what they're saying. Like this is, here, this is the incident. Here's the proof of the incident. And uh, and when you start to look at the level of racism and injustice leveled at Black people, 
it is quite stunning when you start to lay it all out piece by piece, century by century of, of what has been done. And then you come to realize that white people have no idea. They have no idea the 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 handiwork of their ancestors of, of what was done. So they have no awareness of it. And so so the forces that have awareness are starting are trying to shut down anybody else from having a real awareness and factual information about what was done to to um, Africans in America and indigenous people that were already here. Um, beyond you know the story of you know, the basic ones that you already know that they're willing to allow to be taught. Uh, but there's so many other stories that are documented that are just right for the teaching. And I understand the more that I learn, the more I'm like, I get it. They, they, they don't want people to be united around these stories. Uh, because then, uh, and this is what I believe. Because then rap artists and other artists would draw from a full story about who we are in this country and that we wouldn't have to sink to the lowest levels of what was told to us about who we are as a people and, and, and that the keeping it real mentality is not really keeping it real. It is keeping us hostage, right, to a narrative that is not true. Right. So because I believe when the people know their history and their story, they act accordingly. They act accordingly when you know from whom you came and from whence you came. So that's a level of empowering that that you don't want to have if you are in uh, uh, a correctional mindset. Right. Like uh, and by correctional, I mean, if you in a jail them mindset about black and brown people you don't want them to be empowered you don't want them to stand in their history you don't want them to know that people were resisting from the moment that they were taken from the shores of the continent and brought here there was resistance every step of the way that we didn't just get here and lay down and just like oh massa no people were resisting at every turn forever and ever and ever. But those are dangerous stories to tell. And if you tell those dangerous stories, guess what happens? People get empowered. No, We no longer see ourselves as inferior and substandard, that we can elevate our artistic value above and beyond what was told to us, that if it wasn't for Black people in the world, Europe would still not be washing their asses and speaking languages, learning how to read. They wouldn't have universities or libraries because it was Black people, Black people that created universities and monetary uh, 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 ways to trade. It was Black people that ruled the world first. So if you tell that story, then guess what happens? People get empowered, sense of pride, dignity takes its rightful place in communities, and people no longer feel like 
they are ashamed to be on the back end, on the receiving end of some fake ass benevolence done to them by people who enslaved them. To be pro-black is not to be anti-anything except white supremacy. And you don't have to be white to do the work of white supremacy because the work of white supremacy is ingrained in the very fabric of this country and in all the documents. It is it is enshrined in the Constitution. It is enshrined in the Bill of It is enshrined in every law in this land. It is. So, so, an empowered people is a dangerous people. And you don't got to look to America to see that. Just look, look, look at Taiwan, how much freedom they want from China. They want to be free. Look at Ukraine and all those countries that used to be USSR. They want their freedom. You get a taste of freedom, you cannot go back. You can't. You can't. What does Frederick Douglass say? Education makes a man unfit for slavery. It does. I'll call you one better, Frederick. <laughs> and empowered and educated. Educa uh, empowerment and education makes anybody unfit to be a slave. Empowered just means you have freedom to grow your mind and think beyond the boundaries of somebody else's limitations for you. You know, that's really what that is. That's what empowerment is. You know, that you you take the tools in front of you and you use them accordingly to further your dreams. You know, we should be teaching ways that children can be imaginative in school, not teaching to a damn test. What is that? Why? That doesn't measure anything. We should be teaching kids to be imaginative, to dream, to look out. There should be windows in every classroom so kids can look out and daydream and imagine. I wonder what's over there. I, I wonder what it feels like on a, on a cool day to be outside running through the fields. That, that's what we should be teaching. Ugh, not this. Okay, we got to get these test scores up. We're going to take away your recess. We're going to cut your lunchtime because we need you sitting at chain to this desk figuring out one plus one is two. <laughs> and reading, Bob jumps over Jill and Jane runs down the hill and all the land is full of planet. Ha, 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 we go. Right? <laughs> Ugh. I'm just saying. Imagine if we taught. Imagine if we taught imagination. Listen, who's excited about the Rolling Stones putting out new music? Am I the only one? Mick Jagger's like 80-something years old. And he's still out here, you know, getting it in. I And he's a new dad, too. I, <laughs> you know, men could do that stupid mess. Women are not about it. I don't know no woman who wants to be a mother at 80 years old. I don't know no woman who wants to be a, I don't even know a woman who wants to be a grandmother at 80 years old, let alone trying to birth some children. But men have that, had that, have that ability. And he didn't get no 80-year-old woman pregnant. 
he got a young boo thing with you know all her eggs and ovaries intact. <laughs> I'm not trying to be vulgar. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You know. But uh, no. He, he's you know he's got a got a new a new album coming out. Uh, you know he's got a, a young girlfriend. You know they they got some children. He's got a bunch of kids already. He's got even got a black kid. You know, so he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I mean, he's got a, he's got kids old enough to be his new kids' parents. Mm -hmm. He's got eight kids, eight eight kids. Um, uh, Karis, Jade, Elizabeth, James, Georgia, Georgia May, Lucas, Gabrielle, and Devereaux. And they all got them lips. <laughs> That's how you know them Mick Jagger kids. So um, his oldest daughter, Carissa Hunt Jagger, the black one, uh, she's 52 years old. <laughs> she was born in 1970. Uh, wow. Oh, she graduated from Yale in 1992. Uh, <coughs> she's married and they got two children. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, she is the producer, executive producer of Netflix, High on the Hog, How African-American Cuisine Transformed America, which is one of my favorite, 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 favorite documentaries. I, I love this so much. I should go back and watch it because it was so moving. Uh, so, you know, uh, Jade is 51. Jade, her name is Jade Sheena Jezebel Jagger. And, uh, she's the, she's the daughter, uh, of Mick and Bianca Jagger, who was born in 1971. So, cause Bianca and, and, uh, Mick were married in 1971 and, Divorced in 1978. They were only married for eight years, but they 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 seem to be legendary. That marriage seems to be still in the forefront of people's mind. Uh, so she's a jewelry designer. She's a mom with three kids. Um, you know, uh, she's got a couple of kids with you know a longtime partner, former partner, and then she's got a husband, uh, and she's a grandmother. Whew. Okay. So, yeah. So she talks about her father has eight children with five partners. <laughs> and so they, they all meet up for the holidays in the Caribbean. And then sometimes they, they go on the road with the Rolling Stones. Some of the kids go on tour with their dad. You know, Elizabeth Scarlett uh, yeah, Jagger. And I guess, oh, she's the daughter with um, Jerry Hall. So of course she would have Scarlett. And she was born in 1984. And uh, um, Jerry Hall married Mick Jagger in November of 1990 uh, in a Hindu ceremony in Bali. And, and then they divorced in 1999. So he got about, a, he, he averages about eight, nine years with women. 
And uh, that daughter is a a, a model for uh, Terry Mugler. Um, so, oh, so they had one kid together. Okay. Uh, so they're all close though. And then there's um, James Leroy, Augustine Jagger. He's thirty eight. Uh, oh, another kid with um, Jerry Hall. He's he's not as good looking as everybody else. He looks like his mother in a weird sort of way. He was born in 85. He's a musician. Um, maybe that's just a bad picture. Then Georgia May Aisha Jagger. Um, another uh, Hall Jagger baby. 1992. Uh, she's a model. You know, they all got them lips. Gabrielle Luke Beauregard Jagger, 25. Uh, this one, fourth wife. Oh, this is still with Jerry Hall. So he got what? How many kids he got with this woman? And then, uh, okay, that kid is married. And then, uh, Yeah, so all right, that's and then Lucas Maurice Murad Jaggers, 24. And this this child is um the mother is a Brazilian lingerie model, Luciana Jimenez uh Murad was born in 1999. So this he's 24. Good grief. So fashion-y kind of person. Uh, traveler, you know, lives in, spends time in Budapest, Hungary, Milan, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, caught his father's Rolling Stone show in Madrid. Okay. They they get together. Uh, Devereaux, Octavian, Basil, Jagger is six. Got them lips. Eighth child, uh, born 2016. Uh, this kid's mother is uh, American ballerina Melanie Hamrick. So, uh, let's see. So, Mick was 73 when this child was born, and uh, his mother is 29. Uh, oof. Okay. And then, uh, that's the last kid, right? I think that's the last kid. Yeah. So, okay. So he's got a bunch of kids, eight kids. That's a lot of kids, Mick. But, you know, they get together, they do their thing. So, so he's got a black kid. I mean, it's like the Rainbow Coalition over there. I'm like, all right. He's got a bunch of kids. And uh, that's a lot. But, you know, God bless him. I know one thing. Uh, he's 80-something years old. I know no woman is trying to... There's no woman on this planet that's having no... no, no uh, babies at 80. So, man could do that. So that's why I don't, I don't understand this whole birth control foolishness. Men could be out here getting women pregnant... And until they to their last breath <laughs> and and 
and nobody is talking about curtailing their ability to choose um, health care, uh, reproductive health care for themselves. No one. There's nobody, no one fighting to have men uh, 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 permanently altered to, to well, not per it's not even permanent. You know, you could you could get a little snip snip and then come back at it when you're ready to have children. I don't I don't hear any uh a vasectomy. I don't hear any I don't hear anybody touting that as a as a real option. Um I, I just hear uh uh the loud cries of hatred of women and agency over their bodies. I don't hear anybody saying to men. I don't see no legislation on any floor of any house in any part of this country that says all 13-year-old boys should have a vasectomy and then prove their their parental fitness um, to get it reversed when they're ready to marry and have children. Marry and have children. I don't see anybody with signs of that up uh, at, at abortion clinics. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll put a sign up. This is what I'm proposing. That any any male child at the age of thirteen ought to have a vasectomy, and when they are proven, when they have passed tests proving their parental fitness, and with a with a proposal of marriage in hand, that they could get it reversed. Right, that just seems way more logical to me than trying to like you know blow up abortion clinics. <laughs> I mean, if you really, I mean, that's 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 akin to swimming upstream and finding out what the problem is. Well, the problem is men and 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 sperm. <laughs> it's not women. <laughs> women are the receptacle of the sperm. Men are the makers of the sperm. Wouldn't you go to the manufacturer? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you go to the manufacturer before you went to the person who is like buying the, you know what I mean? Like, wh wh why aren't we, why aren't we having these conversations? Because we live in a highly patriarchal society that hates women and they don't want women to breathe without men saying, okay, you could breathe. I'm convinced, you know, because if women across this country said, we'll just stop having sex with y'all. <laughs> and that goes for sex workers across the board. Like, just stop, stop, stop entertaining men and, and their notions of beauty, their notions of intelligence, their notions of, of sex appeal. Just, just stop entertaining it. Stop! Just stop talking to men altogether. Like you don't see us no way, so why you want to have a conversation with us? You know, spend the money and get you a an AI generated doll. That seems to be more to your liking. You can control that. You can't get them pregnant yet. Yet. So that's, I mean, that's just my take on it. I could be wrong. <laughs> huh? I do not profess to be right, except about things in my own life. 
I only profess to be right about, and even then it's sketchy. Even then it's sketchy. So I'm just saying, you know, nice hat, Harry. <laughs> Harry got his Puerto Rican hat on, looking like a Puerto Rican uh, sugar guy. He looked like a sugar daddy. And I don't, I, and I mean like sugar cane daddy. So anyway, I'm just saying, that's where I'm at. And I got a lot of thoughts today. Lots, lots, and lots. <laughs> but uh, I do think though, I do think, I do think I have to take a, take a, a pause off of, um, uh, you know, all these ridiculous uh, hosts that people put up. Um, because it just, I, I just go down the rat. I find myself going down the rabbit hole and, uh, and I, and I, you know, my, my Facebook page is full of positivity and all kinds of good stuff. So I, that means I go outside of it to look at all this ridiculous stuff and the comments of stupid people, you know, I think because I, it never occurred to me that there was that many people in the world who just are so, uh, off the rails that's just so off the rails it just I, I guess I'm stunned by that and so I keep reading this stuff thinking there's some light at the end of the tunnel and I have to tell myself um no you're in the tunnel and you have to be the light and get out get out <laughs> I think that's what I have to do uh I just stop stop you know so I think that's what I, I made up my mind. That's what I'm gonna do. Uh, Cause I feel uh, not, 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 it doesn't depress. I don't feel depressed. I think I'm in the anger annoyed state and I don't want it to go further even though I've engaged, but it was a friendly engagement with this last guy. But I think that's it for me. Like, I think, I think I have to pull up from, you know, having these conversations with people um not because i don't want to learn i just don't have the energy to sift through that level of foolishness you know to get to some uh to make some connection around uh let me tell you why you're why you might be uh, uh, or, or, uh let me let me let me get you to think about something a little differently than what you currently think about, you know, rather than just saying people are wrong and, and they are wrong and, and they are stupid. But if you could, you know, I don't want to spend any more energy trying to uh, uh, educate and reorient people to a different truth. Uh, I don't, I don't feel uniquely called to that. <laughs> I just don't. So, so I think it's easier to just let people wallow in their ignorance and it's deliberate and willful on so many levels. Um, you know, I, I, I love these cats that run up on these Trump supporters and they have these engaged in the conversation and they just make no sense. <laughs> and I'm like, man, it must be hard to live in a world like that. And then... No, because they're white and they just believe in the whiteness of whiteness. And so it's, so it's not hard for them. They could just be willfully and deliberately ignorant. 
and go on and live fruitful, productive lives under under fascism <laughs> and, and be happy about that. So anyway, I'm going to take a break. I'll be back um, uh, with the sisters of uh, uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha, um, the Theta Epsilon Omega chapter, um, and their president, Adrian Parkman Esquire, to talk about uh, fit, fit on Noah, which is happening uh, September 16th. So I'll, I'll be right back. Y'all hang out. Hi, this is Babs Rawls-Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLB 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. Peace. Vision, dreams of passion. And all the while, I think of you. A very strange reaction The more I see, the more I do Baby Highway, tell all your friends they can go my way, pay your toll, sell your soul, pound for pound, cost more than gold. The longer you stay, the more you pay. My white lines go a long way, either up your nose or through your vein, with nothing to gain except killing your brain. Rising. When the thrill is gone. No, I don't want you to go. A 
street kid gets arrested Gonna do some time He got out three years from now Just to commit more crime A businessman is caught With 24 kilos He's out on bail and out of jail And that's the way it goes Athletes rejected Governors corrected Gangsters, thugs, and smugglers are thoroughly respected. The money gets divided, the women get excited. Now I'm broke and it's no joke, it's hard as hell to fight it, don't buy it!
answer. Who can keep the average dancer hyper as a heart attack? Nobody's smiling, cause you're expressing the rhyme that I'm styling. This is what we all sit down to write. You can't make it, so you take it home, break it, and bite. Use pieces and bits of all my hip-hop hits. Get the style down, packed, then it's time to switch. Put my tape on pause and add some more to yours. Then you figured you're ready for the neighborhood chores. So EMCE, don't even try to be. When you come up to speak, don't even lie to me. You like to exaggerate, dream and imagine Then change the rhyme around that can aggravate me. So when you See me come up, freeze, or you'll be one of those seven MCs. They think that I'm a new jack, but only if they knew that. They who think wrong, or they who can't do that style that I'm doing, they might ruin patterns of paragraphs based on you and you all be DJ. If anything he play sound familiar, I'll wait to eat, say, play him. So I'ma have to diss and broke. You can get a smack for this. I ain't no joke. This is Harry Grove, and you're listening to WMHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. Microphone like a grudge Be a whole of record so the needle don't budge A whole of conversation cause what I invent I nominated my DJ the president When I'm see y'all, keep a freestyle Going steadily to pucker up And whistle my melody But whatever you do, don't miss one There'll be another rough rhyme after this one Before you know it, you're following the fiend Waiting for the punchline to get the meaning Like before the mural on my story I'm telling, nobody beats the R So stop yelling, save it Put it in your pocket for later, cause I'm moving the crowd and be a rector fader. No interruptions till the mic is broke when I'm gone. Then you can joke, cause everything is real on a serious tip. Keep playing, and I get furious quick, and I take you for a walk through hell. Freeze your dome, then watch your eyeballs swell. Guide you out of triple stage darkness. When it get dark again, then I'ma spark this microphone, cause the heat is on. You see smoke in the finish when the beat is gone. I'm no joke, no joke. so very much from what it used to be there's so much hatred war and poverty wake up all the teachers time to teach a new way maybe then they'll listen to what you have to say They're the ones who's coming up And the world is in their hands When you teach the children To jump the very best you can The world won't get no better If we just let it be The world won't get no better We gotta change it now Just you and me Wake up all the doctors Make the old people well They're the ones who suffer And who catch all the hell But they don't have so very long Before their judgment day So won't you make them happy Before they pass away Wake up It's time to build a new land I know we could do it 
hour of love babs love talk i'm babs rose ivy and uh i'm delighted because i got my d9 sisters in the house this morning so i've got the uh, lovely and talented president of the uh uh theta epsilon omega chapter of alpha kappa alpha sorority incorporated here in new haven uh adrian parkman esquire and my good friend sister dory dumas hey dory dory y'all are hey good morning everyone hello Good morning, good morning. It is nice to see y'all. How y'all doing? We're Very doing all good. right. We're excited. Good to yes. see you. Yes. How about that? I, listen, y'all got a, a, a fête en noir coming up. What is that about? Is this, this is not the first one, right? This is our first fête en uh, noir. We had fête en blanc, which was all white. And this time it's all black. And it is going to be festive, fabulous, and we're taking it to the next level. So this is not our first wonderful, fabulous event. We're just giving it a little twist and a different color this time. But yes, we've done similar things. And people that walk away are like, oh, that chapter knows how to do things right. And they take it <laughs> to the level. So we got to keep it going. So people are in for a treat. And yes, so no, it's not our first, but it is our first for all black. We should say that. Okay. All right. So, so tell me something about the Theta Epsilon Omega chapter. How long have y'all been a New Haven chapter? Well, as Theta Epsilon Omega, we have been here since 1965. So we have been here for a very long time doing the work of the community, giving back to the community, and really making sure that we are upholding the standards of our beloved organization, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. So we are excited because, you know, a lot of times people look at these events and, you know, they are fat. And this is going to be off the chart. Let me tell you, it's going to be absolutely off the chart. So you do want to get your black and get out there. But just know that these dollars that we are raising go to so many important, important um, programs. And this one in particular to support our childhood hunger initiate um, and um, uh, power packs. And the whole point of this is we know childhood hunger is a issue. Um, and it's an issue in all of our communities and, it, and, and that does not um, escape New Haven as well. And so the initiative of our um, national organization is to make sure that we are providing holiday and weekend meals to children to make sure they are not hungry over the weekend. So our goal is to provide 1,908 
thousand meals across this country so that our kids can have food over the weekend. So the proceeds of these uh, events and especially this event here is to support that effort with the kids that we are working with at Wexler Grant School. Wow. Well, now I now I gotta go right now. <laughs> you gotta be. Uh, I can't have kids hungry. I gotta go now. <laughs> Babs, I'll say that our events and all of our events, and as you are a member of uh, the Divine Nine, you know that. Most of us, when we're doing these events, we do and we will continue to help with scholarships, help with community efforts and all the things that are needed in our community. But I am extremely proud of our national initiative because especially through COVID, we a light will shine even brighter on how much food insecurity is in our communities, how many people right next door, could be right in our communities, are hungry. And that's a real thing. And the that fact that long weekends and holidays, when these children go home, we know that that's a fear, that they're not going to have any food. So to address that is huge. And we've already had a huge impact through our partnership with Wexler Grant. Um, we started it last spring. And so to have these kinds of funds to come in to support something that is so needed and really will have an impact I mean, this is huge. Scholarships are huge. All the senior citizen programs and things we do and all the um, financial events are just as important. But when you talk about every day, children going home and not knowing when they're going to have a meal, but they're going to have this pack for the weekend and they won't be hungry. That's huge. So, I mean, when we say party with a purpose, when people think about it. So, yes, we're going to make it fabulous. We have really taking it to the next level. But when people come, they should walk away saying, and I also helped to do something very important that's going to be impactful in our community. So we're partying real big time, but with the purpose. <laughs> All right. So, so tell me what's the, what's the gist of the event? Like, so when I buy my ticket, what happens? Go ahead, Adrian. Yeah, when you buy your ticket, you're going to have a, a ticket to a voyage. You're going to have a ticket to something absolutely fabulous. So depending on, we have levels. We have levels of, of uh, tickets. So, um, you know, it's a secret location because that's what we do. We want to have the element of surprise. So you get your black. So this is your first step, right? You got to be ready. So you're going to get your black and look all silky and 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 grown and sexy, as we like to say, and looking just fabulous in your black. And you purchase a ticket. So we have three levels. We have our first level, which is um, $125 donation. And that includes open bar from seven to eight. You have um, a cash bar after that time, hot hors d'oeuvres. You're going to have a full buffet and some additional surprises. You yes. move up. Right. Oh, and surprises there will be, of course, because our committee who does, who does always and, and will on this time do a fabulous job. But you move up. Right. You can go to a VIP. We all like to have VIP and you're going to get everything that the others have received. But you're going to get expedited check in. You get open bar all night. What? I know. Right. Right. And you're going to get that the ticket bar. right there. <laughs> get, you know how you go on vacation, you go to a resort, you check in, and what do they have for you up on check-in? A cocktail. Hot, there we go, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You've been to a few resorts, I see. So we're going to have the same thing, a little champagne. That's your check-in. And you get access to our Club Noir VIP Lounge. 
So you're going to have that. And then we have the VIP plus. And Dora, you want to talk about the VIP plus? So you yes, get VIP plus. Yes, you get plus plus. And plus, with plus. that, you're going to get like a wonderful um, gift pack bag, which is going to have fabulous things. We're going you're going to be treated royally. And so like we want people to have the plus plus to say, oh, OK, now I see why I need to do that. And, you know, really, we're going to be catering specifically to them as well. But let me tell you, everybody that comes even general admission is going to have a fabulous time. And when I say we have cigars, we have two DJs, we have live music. We're not doing one little thing. It's like levels of things. But when you're VIP plus, you get, of course, because you're a plus and you're VIP, you're going to get the extra special little touches. But throughout, and I will say this, and I will match this with any organization. When I tell you about our um, decorating team and the things that they're doing and the the wows, the pops, the things that are going to make people like, you know, just want to take pictures and enjoy the vibe and come with some really good, fabulous vibes, we have that team. So everybody's going to feel special. But if you are VIP plus, you just might feel a little extra love from us. But it's, that's because, you know, that's what you do when you're VIP and you're plus. But, but everybody's going to get like really, really a wonderful experience. And we don't stop. It's throughout the night. We have little things coming throughout the night. And I think from the first two that we had with our all white, we have already set the stage. So people are coming, okay, what are they going to do this time? And I think that's important. Like we all, myself, you, Babs, Adrian, we're all in other organizations. There's a lot of fundraising events and we all support these events. But I like that our chapter really thinks about what would make me feel like coming out that night, spending that money, getting all dressed up is worth my time. And mm. we take that in consideration. So we say, okay, everything we can do, we are doing so, and our team is just thinking outside the box and really wanting people to walk away with, oh, okay, that was why they they charged that, and that's why it was worth it. Yes, for the purpose of it, but yes, for the experience as well. Oh, I love it. So how long did it take you to come up with this idea? What's the planning process like? So we started I, I, this. I'm in an organization, so I know how long it takes to plan yeah. stuff. So, so a couple of years ago, when we first did our uh, our Fet and Blanc, we wanted, you know, there's the dinner on Blanc, but mm -hmm. that's a lot of work. It's a fabulous thing and everything. But that's a lot of work. People loved it. They loved some parts of it and some things they did not like having to track trek through with all your stuff in your hands and your so we were like no we're gonna give this the aka version we're gonna give it where we keep it like so we have it at a secret location we have the different touches we have all of the festivities and the fabulousness of it but you don't have to work for it you just come looking beautiful and having a great time so we started that a few years ago we wanted to give it our own spin the AKA version of that. And so we started, we wanted all white. So we were doing it in June and we did one in July, setting off the summer season. But now we're getting ready to set off the fall season and we're like gonna do all black, but the same, same type of energy and vibe, still fabulous. It's still a secret location, still all of the wonderful pop-ups and wonderful things you, you would see, but not having to, set your own table, bring all your stuff, bring your, you know, so this I was going to ask, there's no, none of that. Cause that's, un, I mean, as listen, much as I listen, love being I've on done block, it. I it don't want to drag It was fabulous, but it was stuff. a lot of work. 
you don't yeah. work for this one. You just come and enjoy. <laughs> and you know, black folks, we don't want to drag our best dishes. No. I mean, we just. <laughs> yeah, we and and I think just, what you're saying is, is very important that the, 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 you talk about the planning process. Well, so a thread that runs through that planning process is experience, right? What is going to be our guest's experience? And that is always, you know, the tenements of what we look for. So that we can make sure that, you know, we're asking people to buy tickets in uh, every organization, right? And that it, it's it's not cheap. And we understand that, you know, it's not always good times for, for folks. And it's asking a lot of money. It is, as we indicated, for a wonderful, wonderful purpose. But we want to make sure that you have a chance to have a great experience and to really, really enjoy your evening. We all work very hard. We all give a lot. And so this is a time to come and just, you know, have a great time and enjoy and meet new friends and really, really come together as a community. So, so, if, so I know this will be a huge success. Do you start thinking about next year's event? Like, or, or, and if this is as good as, as, as I know it's going to be, do you do it again or do you do another variation? Right. Cause well, no. because there's so many organizations and so many people having to do things, we have to plan at least a year in advance. Sometimes we start a year and a half in advance of already starting to think what would 2024 look like. One, for contracts and to have premium spaces and things like that. So you have to plan well in advance. Our committee actually started this by probably a year ago, thinking about, okay, so what are we doing? What, what does 2023 look like? We're already planning for 2024. And we do go on like the feedback from our guests and our members, like, do people really enjoy it? What can we do? Should we do this again? Or should we give it another spin? So we take all of those things in consideration. And feedback is very important, not just from ourselves, but mainly from our guests. Like, did you enjoy that experience? What else would you like to see? So as we're starting to think about it, and many of us go to a lot of events, not just in Connecticut, but in New York and other places. And sometimes we're like, hmm, that was really good. So we may start even trying to incorporate some other things that we see because we're always trying to think outside the box. We don't ever want our largest event to be just a regular old event. I just got to come out and drag myself to another thing. No, we want it to be an experience, fun. And when you leave, it was worth your time and you had a great time, but you also had all the wows, the pops, and just the AKA version of let's have a fabulous time. I love it. I love it. So so uh, Adrian Parkman, you're, you're the president of the chapter. And uh, I know that can be a lot of challenging moments because we are in a time where we have to react to so much that is happening to us. And uh, and I'm always struck by uh, the level of commitment that sorority women, black sorority women, have uh, to community. How do you how do you stay focused in in this in this moment in this climate of so much pushback? Oh, and there's so much pushback. But I think, and I think you hit the nail on the head. You said Black women, right? What we do is service. Service is our ministry. It's who we are. I think it's through our upbringing and to really not get distracted because it's easy to get distracted by detractors, um, to stay focused on the mission and the purpose and why we are here. I always say that, you know, we're not here as people for ourselves, just as our ancestors didn't do what they did 
for themselves. They did it for the next generation. So we have to continue in building those blocks to make sure that our future, our kids, our babies, those out there that are in need get what they what they what they can. So what I do for me is to always stay focused on that because you can easily and you know in these times get, you know, discouraged, um, you know, unmotivated and just like, you know, what difference am I making? You are making a difference. And I know that as black women, as community, we all have it in us. And if we work together and keep pushing that dime, we can make a change. And 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 it's hope. It is that that peace that, you know, I and personally will never lose sight of hope because once you do that then you know it's game over and Mm. so for me there is so much out there to do and again the the effort that I put in is not even a a quarter of what you know our ancestors put in so if they could do what they did to make those changes during those times with the circumstances they're in we're in much better situation then I can give as much as I can give to make sure that the future is better for all of us. Mm. Thank you for that. I, and I, I will I say that, that Adrian, as a leader, sets the tone, right? So you hear what she's saying. And when she comes into the meeting, you know, a lot of us, we have hard days, work, work weeks, whatever. But when you come in and you have somebody that's leading that has that kind of energy that comes in with that mindset, it kind of really trickles down to everyone else. So, I mean, again, many of us are in several organizations and I think Black women have always been in the front, leading, taking care of our communities, uplifting our communities, doing the things. But to do it with like-minded people, to do it with women who have the same interests and goals, as you know, for any of the sororities, um, I think that just gives us that extra push and that extra motivation because we know that the need is so great in our communities. And like Adrian said, um, we stand on shoulders and now it's our turn. So we have to continue to to take the torch and move it forward and make sure that those around us, you know, we're uplifting our community as much as possible. And I think it's people like Adrian who are leading in our organization have to have the right mindset and energy and vibe. And when she comes in, she always uplifts us. So no matter what your day is, she starts off with that smile and gives us the energy and say, okay, women, what are we going to do today? What are we doing to move our community forward? And I love that. I love it too. Are you, are you both struck by, I'm still struck by, you know, I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. I'm still struck by people who don't know that we exist. We, You know, we're over 100 years old and the majority of the Divine Nine is coming up on 100 years old. Are you struck by the fact that folks don't know that we exist and what we do? Oh, you're always struck by that. And I think, you know, we've all been pushed into the spotlight recently And, uh, you know, we got to take advantage of that. But there is always this like look of confusion, like, what is this? And where where have you been? Oh, we've been around. We've been doing the work, right? (laughs) So now all of a sudden we're seen, right? And with that, of course, comes greater responsibility because you are being seen. You are now being looked at. So we are no longer in the shadows of others. I mean, we've never been in the shadows amongst ourselves, but now that comes greater responsibility. So that is that we really got to show up 
and really showing what we have been doing and what we have the capability of doing and the capacity of doing. But it is always very, you know, interesting now that all of a sudden you you hear and you see a whole lot of other people talking about the divine nine. And we like, we're not new to this. We're true to this. <laughs> I love right. the fact, I love the fact that the world got a real sense of uh of uh, of the divine nine. Because now we have a Madam Vice President of these United States who is a sorority woman from Howard University. Like you can't get any blacker than that, right? right. Like you just, you just, you just can't. So uh, I and don't I, forget I our Supreme that. Court justice either. And yes, and we got a Supreme Court justice who who is my soror. So mm -hmm. so the world is getting a double dose of or or a big dose of. Uh, of, of, of what this divine nine is is looking like and that we're not a secret society like we yeah. we are out front and lie <laughs> exactly. i have to say that my recent experience um which i always have like maybe a little bracelet a little necklace something that mm -hmm. you know i'm not even aware i just wear it and i'm at different places in different settings and white men women people oh you're a member of Alpha Kappa. Like they know our colors, they know our symbols. So I'm starting to see more of that recent. It, sometimes it takes me, you know, takes me aback because I'm like, oh, okay, so we they know who we are. So I think it used to be a time they were like, what, what is this sorority stuff, you know? But not so much nowadays. I'm starting to feel like more, 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 especially in certain areas. If you are in an area where the divine nine is very active. Or if people are paying attention, like who, you know, especially around um, the election, when we came out in full force, all of the sorority divine nine came together, people started recognizing, oh, they have some power. Who are these people? What are they doing? What are they about? But recently, I have been very surprised by more and more people recognizing and, and I'm not even aware because I'm always having a little a bracelet or something on and I'm not, you know, even conscious of it. And people will say, oh. You know, out of I mean, doctors' office everywhere. So, <laughs> and, and the difference, of course, and the difference, of course, is ours is a lifetime commitment. It's not yes. just an undergrad commitment. Yes. So that's that confusion. Like, what do you mean you're in a sorority? You're, yeah. you know, north <laughs> of twenty five. What are you talking about? <laughs> and you know, so to to help people to educate that it wasn't, you know, just something that you did on four years on a college campus. The real, 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 real work continues. Girl. Um, well, thanks, <laughs> <except> girl. <laughs> it's a lifetime. So I think that's a surprise for folks too, because most yeah. don't have that experience. Yes, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. And I tell you what else I'm struck by, uh, Adrian and Dory, mm -hmm. is that um the, that these divine nine organizations are still thriving, that people uh still want to join and have access to uh, these institutions, you know, these organizations, you know, uh, I, I am, I, I'm honored and I'm also in awe of the mm -hmm. fact that it still speaks to young women. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I'm 60 years old. I understood when I pledged in 80, 82, I knew I, it was a different day, but when I see these young sisters and brothers coming through with, with, with so much, uh, a commitment to it that rivaled my own commitment. I'm, I'm, I'm just in awe of that. That, that is still very relevant and necessary. And it totally is. And if you think about that, what is that draw, right? Because there's a narrative out there about our people. And so when you see 
Black professional individuals making a difference in their community, there's a draw to that. There's a, this is a different narrative that the world does not paint about people that look like us. And so the more that people see what we're doing, that it's not what the world wants you to believe who we are, that we are doing the work in the community. We are professionals. We are making a difference. That's what people are drawn to. They're drawn to that. And that's why I think you see once it's in the spotlight, it's like, oh, there's something here. A lot of times, like to your point, you can't put your finger on it. But you know, you know when you get around your sorority sisters, you know when you're at a D9 event, you know that feeling, and it's a feeling of our people. We have that. We always laugh and say that head nod, right? You know what that is, right? That's right. <laughs> like, I see you. I, I see, see you, you and I acknowledge you and I know we're in a space, but I see you. Exactly. See you. And, that and feeling, I also think that- You can't explain it, it, but it's powerful. Right. But a lot of it too is- like as an individual, you can do some work, you can do good work, you can have an impact. But imagine when you join a group of women or men, and they have that same like mind, that that power, like there is, there is a certain level of power that comes with joining and being working as a group and moving things together. I mean, if we, yeah, individually, you can do a lot and you can have impact. But I feel like if you're with like-minded people and you really believe in the missions and the goals and yes, the sisterhood side of it individually for me and for young people, I think that's a, a plus because they can, they gain automatic mentors and people no matter where they go in the world that could support them and help them and they can move to a different country and find some support just because they wear or are part of a certain organization or they wear certain colors. But even within our communities, like when we think about the kind of work and impact we have when we all come together, all of these minds, all of these women, all this desire to move our community forward, that I think that's very um, inviting. People want to be a part of something that they feel like they can join and have an impact as well. So I think mm -hmm. those things, and, and we tell the young people, like this is, yes, you're on college, you're young, it's wonderful. And yes, doing all the fun things that come with sororities and fraternities is fun. But you, this is a lifetime commitment. And it's all about, for us, sisterhood and service, they go hand in hand. So yes, you're joining and you're having fun and you have that support for yourself but also you need to have that service mind where it's service to all mankind. And what can I do to have an impact even as a young person? And you know, these young people, they think outside the box and they come with all this creativity <laughs> and now all this technology. So I feel like, you know, we need each other. We have the experience. They can gain instant mentors and people. And, you know, I mean, I, I just think it's fabulous. I watch all these young people on these college campuses and I just love see their energy and their vision and when they join an organization like ours and then they're saying oh I'm moving here and there we're like well let's connect you because <laughs> because you're in this organization we automatically have a connection mm -hmm. or if even if as a family you move someplace the first thing you do is you move to a church or you look up a chapter and you automatically have that that feeling of okay I connect I belong I can have somebody that you know mm -hmm. I that understands me so it's a beautiful thing um it is and, and I, I think you're you're absolutely right, Dory, because let me tell you something. I I I I I listen, I belong to a sorority, you're in a sorority, but I'm gonna tell you what else happened. If I have to send my kids somewhere and I can't get a hold of a Delta, guess who else I get a hold of? 
I know I could call one of these my AKA friends, right. sisters, right. and said, "Listen, my kid is coming. Can you put some eyes on that child, or can you connect that?" I have done it, so yes. I I understand the connection of the the D nine world. Like it's not just I'm just going to deal with my sorority and I'm not going to go right. outside. No, it's like. I know my kid or my child is going to be all right because I can connect them to anybody in that D9 network and they will have eyes on that, on that child. So, so that, that's the beauty of, of, of the, of the network. So, but I'll tell you what else I love about this. I love the glamour of this, uh, of this event coming up because you know, we could all be in a club. I mean, there's clubs for days. Like we could have a club experience, but a full on glamorous, red carpet vibe you know where we're just fancy fancy i think new haven is right for that and when black people do it you know you can't outdo black people for that's that. right <laughs> that's right no, we, we live for these things right we live for it. we complain about it but we live for it we we gotta get our face done we gotta get an outfit we gotta you know come correct I know as as we're talking, I'm like, all right, what do I have fancy enough to like what like how am I gonna make this work? Like, oh Lord. And I'm like, okay, let me go to my online site and see what I can find. Because because this matters, right? Like we all want that. I do think that most people, a lot of people, even though we complain, Adrian and Dory, mm-hmm. about dressing up, we do like dressing up. We do. You feel different. Yes. yes. Yeah. You, you like feel, dressing up and being yeah, seen like, and be like, oh, girl, you look so good. Oh, boy, you look great. Exactly. Yeah. And now everybody's yeah, been time, vacationing yeah. all summer, and this is the kickoff to the fall season. It's, it's going to be good to, you know, reconnect with everyone and do it in such a way that, okay, we are having a great time tonight. It's nothing like really good vibes and you know we all work so hard and we all do a lot in our community but we're gonna let our hair down and just have a really fabulous night dancing the well, night you had me at cigars dory so yeah, now, you now, go. I got, now i got now i got up my vip to vip <laughs> plus <laughs> no you get cigar regardless you know i got you you we're gonna have cigars and it's just it's just and that's just one surprise there's other little <laughs> things that are very inviting and we try to keep some of it a secret so people don't know everything but we give you enough that you know if you've never been to one of our events what to expect but if you've come to one oh you already know it's going to be mm-hmm. a fabulous night so tell people how to find you like if, if people are listening now and they're like i need my daggone ticket how do they how do they find you they can log on to our website, aka newhaven.org. And oh, that's can, easy. That's very yeah. easy. And you can click on the link and you'll take your right to Eventbrite. And now we will say this ticket sales are going extremely well. So oh, yeah. if people are interested, <laughs> yes, abs, you better get it. it. It shuts off on Saturday, but I would oh, get the tickets today. This Saturday? Yeah, we're already. I mean, the, and, and, and for us to be able to do this during summer months means that people know what they're looking forward to. So you know, we definitely want to to let people know if you want a ticket, you better get there to our website and grab your ticket because we are um down to the wire and we're we're expecting to sell out and. So we don't want people to be disappointed. So if you are interested, again, we have um, we have a couple of DJs. We have live music. We have open bar for the first hour for everyone. Open bar all night for our VIP and all the fabulous things that are coming with it. You need to get to our website and get your ticket. Um, we want you to be there. 
We want you to be a part of it. But this is a popular event and it's a good thing to sell out because that just means more funds for us. But we don't want people who really want to be there not to get your tickets. So please go and visit our website. So you got DJ uh, Ron, P, and Dane. And then you mm -hmm. have William Fluker, who I think is probably one of the most talented musicians New Haven has ever seen. Yes, you know, and we I, got I a couple just... of extra treats and special. We have Ooh. a violinist, but we can't tell y'all everything. But just know, <laughs> that's just a little bit right. that you see there. And everybody, you know, I'm going to you know, try my best to tease it out you. You know, I was like, okay, what else, what else? <laughs> <laughs> so just what know, else, we're coming else, with else? it. We are coming with it. I love, and so, so is this the biggest event that y'all pull off for the, for the year or, or is there another big event coming up? So we normally have two to three major events per year. This one is our largest. Um, we had a fabulous um, wine tasting event in June and we have other things that we do, but every year we do one major one and this is our major one. I've not one. been to uh, uh, a major AKA event. I think I went to a white party once. You went to our okay. lunch. I know you've been at our luncheons and the luncheons, you know, we had the gospel luncheons. I think you had your hat yeah. on, I remember. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. That's a luncheon mm -hmm. and, and that's that's one of our events that we do because we really try to make sure we do something for everyone and we do have, you know, um, people who don't necessarily want to dress up or come out in the evenings, but they'll come out in the afternoons. So mm -hmm. that attracts a different crowd as well, um, which is something that we, we enjoy doing and a, and a lot of people enjoy those events as well. This is not that. You will not be sitting down and you will be partying. You will be having a good time. So, yes, our luncheons are fabulous. People enjoy them. As you saw, we draw a big crowd for those as well. And they're always very successful. But this one is our largest of the year. And so we pouring everything into this. And, you know, although I think all of our events are fabulous, this one, this one is next level. Okay. And again, this is the remember the purpose. You know, we're partnering with Wexler Grant School <laughs> and we're feeding the children. And we have currently this year 220 students enrolled in their summer academy that we feed every week. Wow. So we That's feed pretty every, impressive. We feed every week. And we we fed 770. We have seven, 770 meals we gave out between May and June and we kicked off. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is a major, you know, we, we tried to get the cost down as much as we can, but it will, um, you know, cost us about $1,800 a month to, to do this initiative. And we are committed to, to raising those dollars to, to do that. Um, and so this will go a long way to help us to get to that goal, sure that these kids have those meals on holidays and weekends all throughout the school year. I so enjoyed this conversation. Uh, President Parkman and Dory, I thank y'all for coming on this morning. Thank you. I, I know that this event is going to be wonderful. As soon as I get off, I'm going to go look for something to wear. You better get online. And I'm going to go get online <laughs> and see if I can get my... I can't get my ticket until tomorrow, but I'm going to work on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got you. But Babs, I'm like, Dory, hold my ticket. Hold my oh, ticket. We got you. Babs, we so appreciate you giving us um, this Absolutely. outlet and you know, time. It's always good. You've always been a person in the community that uplifts the community, that gives us a voice, that gives us a way to share what we're doing, why we're doing it. So thank you. Exactly. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, I love, I love, I love people, and and black people are near and dear to my heart, child. And divine yeah. nine stuff, I think, is just you know, I don't think it gets enough. Uh, it gets enough shine out there, you know. Right. 
And mm-hmm. so if, if so, whatever I can do to help. So, but I, I'm excited about this. And, and we can't uh, wait to see you. I can't wait. Let me go find some right now. Thank <laughs> y'all for coming on. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love Thank y'all. You. Thank you so love much. Thank you so much. Love you back. Right. Take care. All right. Take Bye-bye. good care. All right, Harry Jones, I'm out. Tomorrow I won't be here because I'm sitting for the LSAT. Um, and that's going to be my my good part of the morning. Uh, but Harry will play the best of it. He'll probably replay this show because this show is really, really good. Uh, but I'll be back on Monday and I'll, I'll tell you how I how I did. I won't know the scores until the end of the month, but I, I can tell you how I felt about taking it. Um, so uh, tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, I'll be sitting in proctored uh, commitment to taking this LSAT. So thank you all. And, uh, and don't forget to go get your daggone tickets for uh, the AKA's Fest on Noir. It's going to be fabulous. I want to get into it, man. You I know. get into it. Like a sex machine, man. Yeah. Moving it. Doing it, you know. Yeah. Can I count it off? Go ahead. One, two, three, four. Get up. Get on up. Get up. Get on up. Stay on the scene. Get on up. Like a sex machine. Get on up. Oh!